This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Today's episode is sponsored by the Independent Women's Forum, an educational 501c3 dedicated to developing and advancing policies that aren't just well-intended, but actually enhance people's freedom, choices, and opportunities. Visit IWF.org for more. Hey guys, welcome back to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and today I'm really excited because I got the chance to speak with Shannon Bream. You may know her as a Fox News host. She's got her own show every weeknight at 11 p.m., but she's worked there for 12 years, so I have known her face and her voice for many years, and I got the chance to meet her and her husband last summer, and so when I saw that she was coming out with her book, it's, now, it's called Finding the Bright Side. It comes out this week. I knew I had to get her on the show, and she was gracious enough to give me just a few minutes of her time. Now, I loved talking with her about many of the things I read in the book, and just she just is really honest and like just is made herself so available to this conversation. I just, I really felt honored because I know she's so busy. Um, I will say, I think I botched a Bible story in there. If you know anything about the Bible, you're going to hear it. So just FYI, I know about that. Um, But otherwise, I just, um, I really think you're going to love this conversation. I encourage you to pick up a copy of her book, check out her show. So enjoy this conversation with Shannon Bream. All right, Shannon, well, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me tonight. I know you're preparing for your show tonight, so thanks for taking a few minutes. Of course. Thanks for having me. Now, you are on very late. Does your your show comes on at 11 p.m.? It does, 11 p.m. Eastern. Um, I, luckily, I'm a night owl, so I okay. love the hours. Sometimes people are like, oh, that's just, those hours are so hard, but I love them. That's when I'm awake, so I guess it's a good fit. No, that's perfect. So what time do you end up going to bed and then getting up in the morning? You know, I'm always, I'm usually home between 1230, 1245 a.m., uh-huh. and my husband waits up for me to make sure I get in safe. We catch up on the day a little bit, and my goal is to be eyes closed and sleeping by two. Um, you know, I usually read for about an hour to kind of wind down and, you know, like I said, us having a little conversation to catch up on our day. Um, I'm trying to be better and try to get to sleep by one thirty, <laughs> but I just keep sort of weird hours. Well, it's hard to wind down at the end of the day, but reading, I totally get that reading is my thing as well. Um, yeah. so you have is your first book coming out next week. It is your first book, right? It is. And I always laugh about that because that suggests I would be writing another one, which I don't think. (laughs) Who knows? But it's like years ago when my husband and I, he tricked me into running a marathon. And for the longest time, we would say, well, we ran our first marathon as if misleadingly there were others or were going to be others. So the book's sort of the same thing. I think it's maybe one and done. Who knows? But um, yeah, it is coming out May 14th. I can understand that writing a book is a little bit like a marathon. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time and like Mm -hmm. emotional commitment as well, physical commitment time. Uh, What is it that made you actually want to do it? You've been in this business for many years now. Um, You've been in the spotlight working for Fox News now for 12 years. So what made you bite the bullet and decide to write the book? 
you know, it's something I never thought that I would do. And I was approached about doing it. And I thought, okay, I'll do something serious, uh, maybe a legal topic, freedom of religion, covering the Supreme Court or something. And the publisher said to me, like, honestly, what we would love for you to do is write something that's much more personal in nature. And we think that's what your viewers and your audience would want to hear about. And I thought, well, okay, that's a different idea because you do kind of open yourself up and you're a little bit more vulnerable. But I thought, I feel like I'm pretty vulnerable with people anyway, whether it's on social media or, you know, postings on Facebook or whatever. And they'd seen some of that and they said, we like your stories. And I said, all right, if I'm going to do this, cause I'm not an author, this is not my forte, this idea of writing a book. Um, I'd really like it to be focused on faith. And they said, sure, that's great with us. And I thought, all right, if you're going to let me weave that through, because for me, it's the most important thing in my life, um, then I'll do it. And so I thought, if I can have a chance to encourage other people, um, you know, through really tough things, which I share in the book, because I know everybody's going to have those times in their life, make them laugh a little bit, give them a behind the scenes peek of, of my job at the Supreme Court and with President Trump. I thought I can put in a little bit of something, hopefully, for everybody to, to kind of uh, brighten their day, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. And you got pretty personal in some of the stories. I just finished the book last night, so I got an early copy before it's out on the bookshelves, which is next week, May 14th. Um, But so how did you decide to how personal to get? Because you talked about some really serious health issues that you and your husband Mm -hmm. have have faced and and a few other things. So how did you decide what are we going to put in? How are we going to deal with, you know, what are we going to tell? Yeah. I mean, I thought if I'm going to do it and be vulnerable and be truthful, like I'm going to need to go there on on a few of these things. And with my husband, I asked him because a lot of the story is his too, like how willing he, how comfortable he was with some of these things. Um, and you know, we just got to a place that we said so many people know these stories, but they may not know all the backstory to it. And there's, I think there is, um, a benefit to hopefully encourage other people through sharing the truth about some of these things. And, you know, for me in particular, what I've gone through, um, in physical things, like it really, really took me to a dark place and it made me much more empathetic to people who live with things that I was living with, like chronic pain. And when you feel, you become truly, you get to a place of complete hopelessness. And I thought I was really at the edge there and I want people to know that I've been there. I understand it. You can come back from that edge and find help emotionally, physically. Um, so I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I think there's no point in, in sectioning off or hiding some of the worst things. Yeah. I was really, um, uh, just admirable and, and almost shocking to, to see what you were living through um, and still going on TV every day. I mean, that was really, I was like, you would have never known, but um, I can't imagine how hard that would be. And I, I recently myself have experienced some chronic pain issues. So um, oh. I can kind of relate on that issue. And if you haven't yeah. been through it, it's really hard to really stress how difficult it is just getting through yeah. daily life. And but, I, and I, mm-hmm. I hate to hear that from you because I know that especially if you don't have answers or a diagnosis or mm-hmm. you know, you're not getting relief. I mean, you can do it as a human being for so long. And then all of us, I'm sure you include, you get to a point where you're thinking, wow, is there a light at this end of this tunnel? How am I going to get through this? And for some people, they don't get an answer and they really do live in that place. And it just has made me really think you've got to think about what people around you are going through because so many you like me, I mean, people may have no idea and we got to treat each other with a little more kindness. Yeah. And so you talk about the, the book is focused a lot on your faith and um, you are a Christian. And so I would love to hear how, how did your faith play into this for you? Because it's not, you know, this has been going on for years, starting with your husband, you know, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, dealing with some of his 
health issues and then Mm -hmm. several other things that have happened and very recently too. So how has your faith brought you through this and, 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 and how does that help you? Yeah, I mean, when we both of us grew up in Christian homes with parents who were very faithful and we were in church and got a really good foundation, um, I think when you have, as we both grew up um, learning scripture and hearing stories in the Bible, I mean, that's such a source of encouragement and it comes back to you. I find sometimes a verse will come to mind or something that I'm like, well, I don't remember making a big effort to memorize that, but it's <laughs> there and it comes when you need it. So true. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, or, or an old hymn or the words of a praise course. I mean, sometimes those will come to me and they're just such a comforting thing. So I'm glad that it was sort of woven into my life from a very young age. Um, And I, you know, I think about with my husband, we were engaged both 24 years old and kind of on top of the world. And he went through a series of health challenges that eventually we found out it was a brain tumor. And that's not something you can prepare for that you ever think you're going to hear, especially at the age of 24. I mean, he was a college athlete, very healthy, um, and that really, for a couple of years, completely rocked his life and, and our life together as we were planning our wedding and everything else. And the thing, the good thing that came from that, I think both of us had deepened our faith and our commitment to each other in the process, but we were so encouraged along the way by complete strangers. I mean, I, I tell in the book about how there was a church somehow in Alabama that heard about what we were going through at the time, and one day we just got a note that said, but through a friend of a friend, you're now our prayer list and just want you to know that we were lifting you up. And I thought, you know, this side of heaven, we're never going to know these people, but they're brothers and sisters. And they're lifting up somebody who's a complete stranger because they know that my husband's struggling. He's going through a really tough time than my fiance. Um, you know, so I think that that was such a blessing that those people may never realize that we got that note and how much it meant to us. And, you know, for me, when I went through my own um, health issues and was living in chronic pain for a couple of years and um, really at a low point with doctors who couldn't help me or give me answers, you know, I got to a place where I really felt like my life was not worth living. I mean, mm. I could not imagine sometimes surviving another day at a time. I just was in constant agony and yeah. life seemed pointless. I thought, how in the world is there any meaning or pur- purpose in this? And I really did start to think through you know, ending my own life. It's not something I've talked about publicly before, but I think you get to such a place of despair. And when you can't sleep and you're in chronic pain, and that's where I was. And I just started to kind of rationalize and think to myself, like, God will understand. My family will understand. They, you know, they will know how terrible things were for me to get to this point. And I just had to, you know, level with my husband at some point that that's where my brain was going. And that really helped to kind of be honest with him about what a bad place I was in. And we prayed together and I just prayed that one day at a time, one thing at a time, I'd find a new doctor. And the Lord led me to someone amazing who, even though what I found out is I have a genetic condition that can't be cured, it can be managed. And it changed my whole life. But you know, when I first got the words from the doctor, there's no cure for this. I left that appointment thinking I had found hope now Mm -hmm. and ran out of there and just was physically falling apart in my car thinking, Lord, I thought you led me to this person to help me. How can this be that there's no way out of this? And I talk in the book about how I'm not somebody who feels like I've audibly heard the voice of God, but there was definitely in that moment, him saying to me in my spirit, I will be with you, not I'm going to heal you. I'm going to take this away. Just, I will be with you. And it was unmistakable to me. And it was very calming. And in that moment, I felt like he's going to walk me through this. And, and so, 
every terrible thing that has happened, I feel like it's just an opportunity to grow closer to him and just kind of lean into him when you have nothing else. How comforting to know that there's someone much bigger and with a much bigger plan um, than we have that we can go to for strength when we don't have any left of our own. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, when there when there are no other options, you are, in effect, forced <laughs> to rely on God, even though, you know, that is where you should go first anyway. Um, right. <laughs> It makes sense, but um, well, I'm I'm so I was so glad to read in the book that you have found a way to manage that pain and have you know were able mm-hmm. to get some hope from that. Now, another thing I was as wanted to talk about today is this beautiful journey that you have in your career from you know being in a career as a lawyer that you were not enjoying. You had gone to law school, you had a good job, but you were just kind of drawn to this profession of journalism and TV journalism, mm-hmm. and you had this kind of vision of working at Fox News in your mind. And go, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, it, it was sort of crazy. <laughs> because, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I had no training, no training in this career at all. And um, yeah, I mean, I just had always had such a passion for current events and for news and really loved it. I mean, kind of got fired up about it. And um, when I was in college, my dad was sort of, you're going to law school or med school. And I know was that he wanted opportunities for me and financial independence for me. And I was a good student and I, you know, he always pushed me and my mom too. And so I thought I'm not good with blood and guts. So the medical school is definitely <laughs> not happening, but I love politics and the law that all entwines, you know, intertwines together. So I thought I'll go to law school, but I never really thought I'd be a lawyer. I was for a little while, but I never kind of got over this pull towards the whole current events, journalism news kind of thing. So yeah, I had a very circuitous path to end up where I am now, but, um, I, you know, he led me there and I, he opened and closed doors and sometimes it was painful and sometimes it was great. And here I am. Well, the, the thing that stood out to me the most is you had a couple of people, at least two people that you write about in the book that basically said to you, you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. You shouldn't even try. And that is like crushing that kind of stuff to hear. <laughs> um, and obviously you, know, you talk about how that was difficult, but how did you overcome that in the moment and in the moments afterwards to say, you know what, I'm not going to let that get me down and I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I got fired from my first TV job <laughs> wow. by a new guy who had come into the station and he's like, I don't know why anyone put you on TV or thought that was a good idea. You're the worst person I've ever seen on TV. And basically, you're never going to make it in this business. I hope you're a better lawyer than you are a reporter. Now, listen, I was green and I had no training. So he's probably right that I, <laughs> I had a lot of room to improve. But in the immediate aftermath, I found a soundproof edit bay, which are in every TV and radio studio in existence. And I locked myself in there and cried. I mean, I just was so humiliated and, and distraught. Like, oh no, I left my law career. Here I am. This guy's telling me I'm the worst person in the business and I'm never going to make it. You know, he's an experienced guy. What if he's right? And it took months and months and months to find that next job and to get back on track. And a lot of self-doubt thinking, should I go back to law? Was I wrong? But I was always convinced and thank goodness for my husband too, to say, listen, we prayed about this. We trusted the Lord with making this leap, and we're going to stay on this path. But um, it, it it did make me think, all right, you've got to improve. you got to be realistic here about the things you need to learn and how you need to work on this and get better. And thankfully, along the way, there were people who saw something and were willing to take a chance on me to say, you know, you got to fight for everything, but I see something in you, so let me help you get better and take you to the next level. And, you know, people are very generous sometimes, and there were great people like that along the way, too. There there certainly is such a comfort in knowing that 
prayer is so powerful and knowing that it's not all up to us, I, you know, to be mm-hmm. able to go to God and say like, Hey, I'm giving this to you and, uh, you, and know that he's not going to lead you in the wrong direction. I mean, many times for me, mm-hmm. I've said, I'm pursuing something. I want this to happen. And then God has said to me, you know, you, you can't mess this up if I want this for you. And that is True. something I really saw in your path. And the other thing that I really respected about your story, and you write about this in the book, um, is just the fact that when you got that opportunity to work at Fox News, you would have had to maybe um, end a contract early, potentially do something that mm-hmm. wasn't 100% maybe ethically right, but most people might have done it anyways. And But you were not willing to um, to compromise that. You were like, look, I, you, you called it what you called it, your Isaiah, right? Um, and, and this, this, well, Isaac, like, laying or, down sorry, my Isaac, Isaac, that's what I meant. My <laughs> Isaac. Yeah. And so, yeah. so Isaac, as in, um, the, the story in the Bible, uh, you know, Jacob offering up his son to God and, and just having no control and just trusting God, um, with his life. And so you had said this had become that for you, but you had to lay it down and let God take control. And, and we won't spoil the story, but everyone needs to read the book and see what ended up <laughs> happening there. And it, and it ended up working out in your favor. Um, and that just kind of goes to show you what trusting God in the story mm-hmm. of your life can really do for you. Um, now, yeah. did you ever, you know, along the way, I, that story, you tell a great story with Britt Hume. And by the way, everyone needs to go read the story. We won't tell it, but it's such <laughs> a great story when you met Britt Hume of Fox News. Uh, when he start, you know, gave you that opportunity, did you ever start to doubt yourself or were you feeling fully confident in that moment? You know what? I think anytime you take on something like I was going to cover the Supreme Court and that was really intimidating because, yes, I've been a lawyer. I never, you know, practiced at that level or argued a case there. And there's so much to learn just about procedurally how they handle cases and when they vote and when the secret votes are. And I mean, it was overwhelming. I knew that I had a lot of work ahead of me. So I felt good that I had the legal understanding of it. But when you have a beat, whether you're assigned to Capitol Hill or the court or whatever, it was intimidating. I mean, you have a whole new set of people and sources to try to develop. And I knew that it was going to be challenging. And so um, I felt confident in my skills, you know, in journal as a journalist, but taking on something new there, I, I knew that, you know, there were things that I was going to have to work on and that were going to take time that weren't going to happen overnight. So a um, little intimidated, but I think so excited that I wasn't as scared as I should have been, which is sometimes how we work, you know, you dive into something and you're so excited that you don't know enough to be more scared than you are. So that's right. kind of a good place to be too. Yeah, definitely. And now here you are with your own show. Is this kind of like the pinnacle of what you had hoped for so many years ago? Yeah. I mean, I guess you always hope that you have a little piece of real estate where you can do stories that are important and maybe stories that don't get done everywhere else. And it gives you a little bit of a voice or a platform to, um, you know, have people on and have conversations in a different way. So, um, you know, it's so funny because I had thought over the years about wanting to do something like have my own show. And by the time I'd sort of let go of that, like, listen, I'm really fulfilled covering the course, filling in for other people. I have a very full life and this is a lot of fun. Um, it kind of caught me off guard when this opportunity came because I, it literally was out of left field. I didn't see it coming. And so it's funny how the unexpected sometimes shows up and you can see the places where doors were closed or you had to learn a different lesson in the past that all of it leads you to the next thing. And I have no idea what will come next, but I have no doubt that each thing I've experienced along the way, good or bad is, is ultimately part of the plan. And what are your favorite kinds of stories to cover? Do you have any 
like a favorite story over the years? Um, anything like that? Well, in general, I do love legal stuff. I'm a total nerd. I love the court. I get so excited about wonky, weird things that happen over there. So that's, I love doing that. Um, you know, over the years it's, I I feel so blessed because you get to meet all kinds of different people from the president on down. But the one story that, that often sticks with me when people ask about this is that years ago, local reporter here in Washington, we were doing a story and I got to meet an, an older gentleman who was a Holocaust survivor and he had lost his entire family. But because of a mistake on his birth certificate or his passport, his family was actually able to get him out of the country in time. He ended up coming and being adopted here in the United States. He was the most patriotic man. He loved this country, was so grateful for the fresh start that he got here and for the endless support that the U.S. has offered to the Jewish people and to the state of Israel as it came together. And he was just like the most joyous person. And he'd been through Mm. the worst circumstances. And to think of everything that he lost as a kid that was like, you know, six years old at the time. Um, But he was such a joyful, grateful, humble, patriotic guy. It just kind of rubbed off on you. And I thought, my goodness, how thankful we should be and grateful in every day that in this country, which is not perfect, it is flawed. We, we've we had our tough times and good times, but I can't think of anywhere else in the world where as a woman, I could grow up in a family that wasn't connected, didn't have a lot of money, uh, but have a chance to get an education, to vote, to drive, to own property, to decide whether or not I want to get married or what career I want to pursue. I mean, this country is like no other place in the world. And this gentleman was so grateful. It really was such a good reminder to me and such an honor to meet him. Oh, that is a good story. And there are so many people that have great stories like that coming from other places that we that don't have it nearly as good as we have it here in the United States. Uh, Now, you seem to have a really beautiful relationship with your husband, Sheldon. And I was lucky (laughs) enough to meet both of you guys last summer in Steamboat Springs, a beautiful place as well. (laughs) I love that place. Beautiful. Yes. Um, So one question I wanted to ask was what what's the secret to your happy marriage? Do you have any marriage tips for us? I would say a couple of things. First of all, what we always say is we are not perfect, but <laughs> we're perfect for each other. And right. I think that's true. Like we've had knockdown, drag out, crazy fights. We're like, I'm never talking to you again. And, you know, just like anyone who's been married for more than like a week, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. you just, that's I, know. <laughs> I don't want people to ever think, you know, I think sometimes people think like, oh, you know, they're so cute and perfect or whatever. But listen, like everybody else, we have massive di- disagreements once in a while, but we kind of set some ground rules from the early beginning of our marriage. I mean, we had good premarital counseling, but it was sort of like, listen, we're on the same team. Like the Mm -hmm. world is going to come at you. There are going to be temptations. There are going to be distractions. There are going to be lies that the enemy throws at you. And you have to remember we're on the same team. So, I mean, I'm his biggest fan and his biggest cheerleader. And I feel that he's that way for me too. And when you think about the fact that, listen, as human beings, I think we are born selfish and we're all about ourselves and our own self-interest that in marriage, if you can recognize that up front and say, listen, both, both of us are inherently selfish, but if we want to make each other happy and respect each other and put each other first, that takes away a lot of that. I mean, you know, and we also, you know, came from the place of don't say anything you can't take back. You know, you can have a fight, you can be super angry at each other, but be careful with your words because I think there are lines you can cross where you will wound each other so deeply. It's really, it's a tough place. You can always, I think, um, forgive each other and, and heal from that. But Um, you know, we just try to remember we're both flawed, we're both selfish, but we love each other and we're committed to this thing and we're going to keep working on it and, you know, just be each other's biggest cheerleaders. Yeah. I think that's great advice. 
Now, speaking of advice, uh, if you were speaking to someone who maybe is has gone to school, is, is working in a career that they're not loving, but they've got their eye on something <laughs> that they do love just like you did, but they're, maybe they're afraid to take the plunge, um, mm-hmm. what kind of words of wisdom might you have for them? You know, I do think you have to be realistic about it. I mean, it, for me, for us, it was a um, financial, obviously, a cut in my salary, and it was jumping into the unknown. Um, and we went to people that were in our lives that we trust for good spiritual counsel. And I went to people in the business, too, like, can I buy you lunch? And then let me just pick your brain mm-hmm. uh, about, should I go back to school? Should I go to a smaller market? What should I do to get my foot in the door? What's the best way to learn? And um, I think really for us, obviously, too, praying about it and deciding whether this was we had peace about moving in this direction because to the world and everybody on the outside and my law partners are like, you're nuts. <laughs> People <laughs> thought we were crazy. And it was really hard when I lost that first job because I thought this is embarrassing. This is sort of like, I, will I get I told you so from these people in my family or my professional career or friends who had thought that I was nuts to do this. So it takes a little bit of guts, but I think you also have to plan and think and be realistic about it. Um, and then, you know, like with any exciting thing in life, there's always going to be a bit of risk. And so if you feel like, you're making a wise decision and and you've really thought things through and you try to have, you know, some financial buffer, money put aside, ways that you're going to cut back if it's going to be a different thing financially. Um, I think if you've done your homework and you've really gone to people um, in the business that you'd like to pursue, the career you'd like to pursue and gotten their advice, I think, you know, through thoughtfulness and, and those conversations, um, I say once you do that, just, you gotta, you gotta sometimes take the leap and just trust your gut, trust, trust, you know, what you feel like the Lord is, is guiding you to do. And, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be scary and it's going to be financially hard at times, but if you've got a good support system around you, you'll, you'll be able to do it. Yeah. I think, uh, make sure you're getting plenty of advice from different sources is is, (laughs) is super important before just, just doing it and mentor even would be helpful. Um, but maybe someone listening will get something out of that. So, um, okay, Shannon, I just have a couple more kind of end of the podcast questions. Um, who is someone that you admire or look up to maybe a role model in your life and why? I know it's such a cliche answer, but my mom, Mm -hmm. without a doubt, she is hilarious (laughs) Um, she is the most selfless person. And I talk about her in the book. And like, honestly, if she sees a stranger in distress, they're coming to our house. They may come for dinner. They may move in for three months. Um, (laughs) my mom is like, she is the most giving selfless person. She is a strong Christian. If she tells you she's praying for you, she's probably literally up at five o'clock in the morning praying for you. I mean, she is a solid, solid Christian and somebody who does not care about wealth or fame you know, any of that stuff. She truly is about living out the body of Christ. She really is. And she's the first person to show up at the casserole or at the hospital, if you have a baby, whatever. Um, she's just such an amazing role model. And the fact that she's so selfless and she's always thinking of other people and was always, you know, trying to teach that to me too, about the, you know, the verse in Philippians about do nothing through strife or vainglory, but let each esteem others better than themselves. I mean, she preached that, but she lived it more importantly. So she's definitely someone I aspire That's I amazing. to be more like, really yeah to have a mom like that that's that's awesome Uh that's being blessed for sure absolutely um okay oh yeah I was going to ask you I I love asking people this question if you have any like daily daily habits or hacks that you have to do to Uh kind of make you feel on track or um you know like you're being productive (laughs) oh my gosh I try I feel like you know, there are times that I, what's best for me is I take a social media sabbatical. That's a, There's so much noise yes. there and some of it is positive. Some of it's negative. Some of it's just stress. It's just constant feeding into a stream of, 
you know, this person's awful and that person's awful. And, um, I mean, sometimes you have to remind yourself there was a great piece. I think it was in the New Yorker magazine or New York times not long ago, but it said like Twitter is not the real world. Like you have to remember that there are billions of people in the world who are not on Twitter, people that you like my mom and dad that I take advice from and I care about, they're not on Twitter all day, every day, yeah. voicing their opinions and, and cutting people to the core. And now, you know, it's just, there are times that, and I find it even in a positive way, because even if you're posting things on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, then you're constantly checking back for likes and like, did I score a point here? Yes. Do people love this? Mm-hmm. Even feeding that, like the positive stuff to me feels like I get my eyes off of the right things and I let it you know, affect me emotionally. And I'm like, that's not real. Oh, yeah. That's not of eternal consequence. And I don't need to let that rule my emotions. Cause I feel like that is taking my eyes and my emotions and putting them in the wrong place. So I would say sometimes the best thing that I do is social media sabbatical. And I really do feel better. I'm sure that's a great idea. And I need to do that myself. <laughs> um, I was going to, that reminded me of something else I wanted to ask you, which was just, you talk a little bit in the book about, you know, certain people not being uh, fans of Fox News <laughs> out oh, in yeah. public. I'm sure you uh-huh. hear a lot of that. Has that gotten worse over the past two years? I think on both sides, I think people have gotten so drawn into their corners that it's really hard to have a conversation in the middle. We try to do that on the show. Mm-hmm. To me, it's it's not interesting to have one side on. I mean, yeah. even if I, and we invite people from both sides, we invite Democrats all the time. Some of them are, are happy to come and make their arguments. And I want that because to me, there's no a debate's not interesting or helpful to our viewers if they're not hearing all sides and they can weigh it out for themselves, which resonates with them and, and what makes sense to them, you know? Um, so I, you know, I think that, um, you know, it, it's good to have all sides of an argument and have them on. And, uh, you know, there's some people that you're never going to win them over left or right because they're so entrenched in their positions. Um, and to me, that's just, it's not beneficial. If you really care about an issue and you want to persuade people, I say, do you want to win the fight or do you want to win the person over? And yeah. I think that, you know, it's, it's worth making. And I, and not to get too nerdy, but I will talk to people and say, like, think about the Federalist Papers and what they were. This country was in a place where, you know, they'd come to, to Philadelphia to put together this new constitution because they knew we needed something to hold the colonies together and really started this whole new country moving and growing and, and existing. Um, but New York was dead set against the constitution. Only one of their delegates voted for it. And he's the one, Alexander Hamilton, who went back and said, I got to convince everybody in this huge, powerful state of New York to vote for this thing. And already the newspapers were, you know, filing pieces against it and all the powerful business leaders were against it. They just started writing these letters, making their arguments for why the Constitution would work, why it was good for every state to sign on, why they should vote for it. You know, I think there were 85 of them in total, somewhere around there. And they became so popular and so persuasive that the, there were demands for reprints of it. Um, uh, one of the newspapers in New York who'd been dead set against New York voting for this actually said, hey, we're going to put these in two volumes because everybody wants them. And they became the Federalist Papers, these letters. And I think such a great example, because instead of crazy name calling and killing people and crazy things where you can have <laughs> you know political disputes, they said, we're going to use the power of the pen and we are going to make our case logically and try to persuade people by asking them to think. Yeah. And I think we need more of that on both sides yeah. for sure. Persuasion, not silencing is what we need yeah. more of for sure. Yeah. More well, speech, not less. I totally agree. Um, and so speaking of writing books, uh, you sound like a reader to me. Do you mm-hmm. have any favorite books or anything you're reading right now? Uh, 
I unfortunately have not had a lot of time to read what I want to read <laughs> these right. days. Although I did read when I was on vacation, I'll take four or five books and try to get through all of them in a week. I did read Educated by Tara Westover, mm, which yeah. I thought was fascinating. That's my kind of book. Uh, a couple of favorites I love from over the years. It's a few years old now, but I love Same Kind of Different as Me, which was yeah, turned into a movie. It's a great one. I love that book. Um, and there was also a great um, book that I, I love that was written about the Rwandan genocide and massacre mm-hmm. from a woman who survived it. And hers was called um, Left to Tell. Okay. And it just, if you, I didn't know a lot about the conflict or understand all the ins and outs of it, but the miracles of her surviving that and getting out to tell her story are amazing. So Left to Tell is another one I love. Okay. Well, we'll definitely put those in the show notes. Okay, Shannon. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me, um, my little old podcast today. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad I got to meet you. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm so glad I got to chat with you too. Thank you for making the time. Absolutely. Well, have a good show tonight. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right, guys. Wasn't she great? Uh, When I met her last summer, she truly seemed just kind and sweet as she appears on TV. And that seriously is the case. What a great lady. I encourage you to pick up a copy of her book. Check out other stuff she's doing um, to promote it. I'm sure she's going to be on a barrage of interviews and media stuff this week as she's promoting this book. Go buy a copy of it. Um, Thanks for tuning in every week. As always, if you've been enjoying the show, of course, I encourage you to head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. Let me know on social media if there are any guests you'd like to see, any topics you'd like to see coming um, covered on the show. Otherwise, I thank you so much for listening and spending some of your day with me. So until next week. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.